Hi and welcome to Journeys of Faith. Um, we're on episode six and tonight the guest is going to be someone familiar. Um, we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago um, regarding Open Table and he's decided to come back and share a bit of his personal journey with us. I've also got David here. I'm not forgetting you this week, David. Um, so Thanks for change. We've got David in the background to <laughs> keep me under control. Um, so Nick, thank you very much for joining us again. And thank you for being willing to share your personal journey with us this time. So um, just to start off, would you just like to sort of introduce yourself again, but obviously on more your personal journey this time, please? Thank you. Thanks, Adrian. And thanks, David. Thanks for welcoming me back. It's great to be Pleasure. here with you both again. Um, yeah, I had a really good experience last time on Journeys for Faith. It was great to speak to you both. I really uh, enjoyed it. And this time I've had the opportunity, Adrian's asked me to speak a little bit more about my own personal journey with Christ. Obviously, last time I spoke about Open Table, and I think in an upcoming episode, if Adrian's uh, told me right, I'm going to be speaking about Inclusive Church, you'll, you'll all be sick of me by the end of this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's great to be able to speak a bit about my own journey with Jesus. Um, we all have our own individual journey with Jesus, that's obviously brings us to where we are today. And... Uh, Mine's been a little bit different from some folks because obviously uh, the connection with the LGBT community. But it's wonderful to be able to speak to you about that journey today and hopefully give other people a bit of a signpost and a bit of a, a feeling that they might not be as excluded as they think they are by the church. That there is a welcoming church out there for them if they want to find it. And hopefully, as I, I found it myself, I'd like to share a little bit about that journey with those people here now. No, thanks very much, Nick. Um, I, I, I really do appreciate you coming to share some of that journey. So, you know, um, I think if we can go to the start of your journey, I think that's probably the best place to start. And uh, so for you, when, when did you come to faith? Well, I was, um, I was lucky enough to be brought up in a, in a Christian home. Uh, both my parents, uh, from the age of about 13 and 14, used to attend an evangelical chapel based uh, in a uh, church in North Manchester in uh, Newton Heath which is uh, just about a few miles outside central Manchester yeah and about, uh, about half a mile from my house basically where do you live Moston yeah. hey no, yeah 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 <laughs> nice one. Oh, yeah my parents were both from Newton Heath and uh, they both met at church they were both Sunday school teachers at about 13 and 14 uh, so when they married, um, obviously I was brought up in a Christian home. So I was attending church from birth. Uh, initially, it was uh, St. Paul's Church in uh, Failsworth. And uh, then a little bit later, when that was sadly knocked down, we moved to um, Heathfield Church, which is on Millwright Street in Newton Heath it in is. Manchester. It's an evangelical church and it's still going strong today. And my mum was saying, she's still a Sunday school teacher there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, so I had it in the blood. And uh, I think that was a blessing, really, because from the very beginning of my life, I was aware of Jesus and his presence and the transformative power that he had. Now, like a lot of kids, unfortunately, when those uh, teenage years came knocking, um, <laughs> I began to question things and turn away. Uh, and then I uh, sort of like drifted away from the church when I was about 13 or 14. And I call those my sort of wilderness years 
And those years lasted really until I was in my 30s. But Adrian, I've always said that Jesus never left me during that time. He was always with me. He had plans for me. I was just sort of experiencing life and experiencing situations which I think were given to me so that when my ministry did arrive, I'd be able to have the experience and the knowledge of working with people from different groups. My sexuality itself was not an issue in my leaving the church. I never felt, and I still have never felt unloved by God because of my sexuality. And I touched this last time on with you, and I do have really close friends who have been made to feel unwelcome, have been made to feel less than, have been made to feel unloved because of who they love. And uh, that wasn't the case for me. It hasn't been the case for everybody, as I say, but for me, it wasn't why I left the church, but it was why I rejoined the church. And that's another interesting, yeah. interesting thing to talk about as well. Mm, that's, that sounds a bit intriguing. So, um, so yeah, I think most people have um, that period of time in their life where they sort of drift away at early age, don't we? Because I know, um, as I said, I, I grew up in the, in, in a, not necessarily a church family because obviously Roman Catholic background. My mum doesn't believe in, in God in any way, shape or form. Um, my dad um, was a practicing Mormon. So so I've had a bit of a, as you can imagine, an Irish Irish Catholic. My dad's Irish, but, you know, he was practicing Mormon. I, I've had a bit of a mishmash of different religions growing up. So again, like you, even though I didn't, really have church there was definitely something going on in the background and and i don't know about yourself david um if you want to chip in a little bit there or i'm i'm just thinking that your your experience is journeys of faith i mean you are journeys of faith aren't you and, and you kind of what you represent is all these different faiths but you still have that one core belief yeah yeah is that belief in our case it is a belief in god whether it's through Mormon, uh, through Catholicism, through Anglican, it becomes academic at that level mm. because the core belief doesn't alter. Definitely, definitely. And I, and I think even though I've had my issues with churches and people within churches, for whatever reason, um, I still believe in God. Yeah. And I know that he believes in me. And to go back... Um, to the to the comments about not leaving church um, because of your sexuality, um, I'm I'm really pleased about that. But I think we're all very aware that unfortunately that's not always the case either. Though I think you did say that though, Nick, didn't you? That you know. Oh, you're right. You're you're right, David. I mean, the t the common experience is that people uh, throughout you know the denominations throughout the faith based groups are. When the question of sexuality arises and people are brave enough to bring it up for the first time which yes they are doing now more in the past 10 or 20 years obviously because of the society's changes in law which are brilliant people are beginning to step up and say well what about me and some people are hearing the answer yeah what about you we i'm afraid we don't want you mm. um, that's not been my experience it's never been my experience in the anglican church as I said to you last time, I'm heartened by the, the massive growth of inclusivity in the Anglican Church. It isn't in all. I've, ne I, 
I've never thought it was the the clergy. I will say, I think it's more than often, and I think we can even include um, anybody with the disabilities in this at that level. The fact that it's my church. It's not the vicar's church. It's my <laughs> church. And if you want to come in, you need to be liked by me. Because if I don't like you, I won't talk to you. I'll make you feel uncomfortable. And it doesn't matter how nice the vicar is. It's the congregation that will turn you away. Because you're not going to sit down for a brew after. You're not going to sit with Mavis and have a slice of cake if she doesn't like you. Definitely. I think that's, that's yeah. the issue. And as the new... I'll say the new breed comes in. I'm using a very wide term for that. But as the new people, the new breed come into the church, it will, it has to get easier. Sorry, anyway, we got off a bit of no, time. No, you're right, David. And you're right, Adrian, because, you know, 25, 30 years ago, people wouldn't have said, well, my son is gay, my nephew is gay, my, my daughter is a lesbian. You know, people would not have said that. But people do say that now. So they, people are coming to church with those uh, family connections yeah but when they don't see those reflected in the church they're, they're asking questions why isn't this the case and sometimes i think the congregations catch up much quicker than the clergy in terms of their response to issues like this okay. i mean I, I said i said why i came back to the church because i was in my late 30s and um i don't know i was going through a period in my life where i felt i felt lost and i was looking for meaning and i was looking for the answer and in my heart I knew what the answer was. I knew that it was God. I knew that it was Christ, that that was the answer for me. So it didn't take me long to begin to say to my partner, you know what, I think I'm going to have, I think I'm going to go back to church just out of nowhere. How would you feel about that? How would you, would you feel about me going back to church? And it was, you know, wonderfully that my partner was very supportive about that. And in order to test the water, in order to go back in a way which I felt would be easiest and more conducive to me at that time. I had attended a church called the Metropolitan Community Church in Charlton, which is still based at St. Wilbraham's in Charlton, um, St. Minion's. And uh, that is uh, an LGBT exclusively led uh, church. And uh, it was wonderful for me because of the moment I stepped, I can still remember the moment I went in the door and I was welcomed by the minister and I knew almost instantly that I've come home and it was like God had said to me this is where you belong this is where I want you and I'm not letting you go now and he didn't uh, and that was almost 10 years ago now wow. that that happened to me and from that moment on I was on a bit of a trajectory going forward not to make up for lost time but to, to into practice the stuff that I'd learned and discovered and felt uh, in terms of my ministry and uh, I was there for about two years at the Metropolitan Community Church and then I also felt the Lord say to me again right Nick you've done this bit now now I need you to go mainstream now I need you to leave this group and become part of the mainstream church circuit um, to sort of leave that safety bubble of all being yeah. the same yeah. and, and I, I I'm interested that you said 10 years because go back again when we think we met seven years ago. So actually, I think we probably rejoined the church at roughly the um, same time, um, which, which is quite interesting as well. Um, so obviously, you, when you uh, left this 
safety bubble, nice church where God was suddenly, because it, it is quite strangely safe, isn't it? There's, there's this, um, I like to use this, this grabbing analogy that I've, I've always been grabbed and every time I try and run away, it, it stretches a little bit, but he's pulling me back. <laughs> he always pulls me back, even now, when I'm feeling lonely, lost, and, and in the dark. There's always that bit of encouragement pulling me back. And I think you've just demonstrated the opposite, of, in not pushing you away, but pushing you out of the comfort zone to go and try something new in the mainstream, which I think is, um, it's just amazing to actually make yourself vulnerable and, and, and do that. And so where did we go from there then? Well, I knew that I was being, I was being called to leave um, that particular church. It's a wonderful church. It still goes on now and its ministry is amazing and transforms lives they're particularly supportive of um, LGBT asylum seekers at that church. And uh, that was an amazing, I was a little bit of a part of that process as well at the time. Well, the Holy Spirit, as I say, was picking me up and he was saying, and the Holy Spirit was leading me to somewhere else. And I had some friends who were attending a church in Blakely called St. Andrew's Church. And um, I felt called to go there. And again, from the moment I arrived at that place, uh, I was home. You know, I was yeah. home uh, and uh, it was just a wonderful fellowship. And that was the traditional church. The, the old church had tend to be young adults or, or, or older adults. But this was the church with the, this was your traditional view of a, of a parish church. You know, with your, your elderly ladies, your elderly yeah. gents, your children, your young couples, your families, that sort of thing, which I hadn't had at the other church. So this was the, this gave me the chance to develop a ministry more focused on the people within that parish and their own particular and, and unique set of circumstances it was a good place to grow it, and all, i was also it was also a member of the inclusive church network so i knew that i was on uh, on safe ground uh, in terms of the, the ministry there i was encouraged to develop my ministry there as well and uh, i became interested in reader training licensed reader training and it's actually three years ago today uh, Adrian, that I was licensed as a reader. Wow! Congratulations. <laughs> Three years ago, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't seem that long ago. It really doesn't. So we 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 went to reader training, but you know, I I know we sort of touched this on the last one when we talked about FFM. Um, and I just think we should, could we pop back to that a little bit because yeah. um, I'm sure that was a, a big part of your journey as well as because I know how much it impacted mine um, and I'm sure David would say the same that it impacted his journey with the church definitely um, so did you have that urge calling um, to read a ministry prior to FFM or was that something that developed during or was it part of the process where it was something you felt you was being pushed towards um probably the wrong wording to use but you know what i mean that, that you do get i you know i feel pushed down this particular route and like i say i tried to stop it sometimes and push the feet in but i'm still being pushed 
I don't know about I don't know about you two, but the FFM was it was probably one of the most transformative experiences for me because it was the first time that I met people. Because remember, when I started at St Andrews in twenty, I only started at St Andrews in twenty thirteen, Adrian. So twenty thirteen was my first experience of being in an Anglican church. Yeah. Right? Wow. So you and I began that course in 2013, September 2013. Yeah. So I'd only had six months knowledge about an Anglican church. I didn't know what a reader was. I didn't know what an OLM was. I didn't know what FFM, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. Because I've come from a more evangelical background. Yeah. So when we started the FFM course, and it was, it was uh, made clear to me that that might be something that I would be interested in. I was lucky because my uh, my uh, vicar at the time, Ian Fellows, was so skilled at spotting people who wanted to learn more and developing their skills and talents and helping them improve their ministry. So he suggested to me that I might be interested in doing it. And I didn't know what it was. I mean, foundations for ministry sounds a bit scary when you... It does, doesn't it? Like, sounds like you're going to come out of it like a bishop or something, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't know what it means. I think so, some people think they did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. I had no idea what it was about. But, you know, through that experience, I met the doors of the Anglican Church began opening up to me in terms of my understanding of what church tradition was all about because I've never really met anybody from a high church before and I've been quite judgmental about it and I'm not now because obviously I understand that we all express you know our worship and traditions in a different way we all love the same God we just say it in a different language yeah no. it's a chair whether you say the word in French or whether you say the word in English yeah and it's just the same with God whatever you call him or ever however you love him he remains the same. And for me, I'm, I was meeting Anglo-Catholic people. I was meeting evangelical people. I was meeting people who, who had such different experiences. And we made friends. I'd visit their churches. We'd talk about our faith. And we have to accept other people's interpretations of Scripture, even though they're different from our own, you know. Definitely. Their interpretation. This is my interpretation. But it just opened up the doors of discipleship to me. And with leaders like yourself, you know, it enabled us to discover more about ourselves and where we might go. And at the end of I don't know if you guys have to do the same. Did you have to write what you thought about each other secretly? And, yeah. And then share it with the group afterwards. I, we, I don't think we did that. I think that was something that's been dropped out since we've done it. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that might be something that was has been dropped since 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 then. Um, yeah. But no, I, I really, I found that really hard. It was um, hard, yeah, because yeah. And... it was it was like you were judging someone, and we we were told not to judge. And uh, but I actually found it it gave me a lot of strength because a lot of people um, said nice things about me that I probably did know inside but wasn't willing to accept and and it just gave me that confidence to grow and that that that's why I sort of wanted to just talk about FFM a bit because everyone that I've spoke to or, or know who's done it, it has been key in their moving forward and their journey um, just due to the fact of it's an amazing experience isn't it it's and I just don't know what else you can say about it and I think 
some of the conversations you have during that are quite good in it because you're in an open an open forum where what's said there is said and it and it's taken with love and and when we disagree that's where i learned to disagree gracefully because it's okay not to believe the same it's okay not to interpret scripture the same which prior to ffm i was like i never could do this because it wasn't okay okay to question scripture it wasn't okay to question why that church does that and we do that and i'm the opposite to you i i came from bells and smells galore and and, and that's what i love whereas you know i i'm most uncomfortable in an evangelical you know to me that's quite hard um so yeah and I hope that answered the question a little bit. I yeah, went off on a tangent a little bit. No, I, I, I enjoyed hearing about that, Adrian. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I'm glad they've got rid of that. Because, uh, I mean, just for your listeners, it wasn't anything critical, was it? It was like, talk about your, talk about your, you know, your, 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 your teammates and what you think is great about them and what yeah. perhaps they could build on. And some of the feedback I got on that was really instructive. And it told me to build on, you know, perhaps some leadership skills and, develop those and look at further ministry you know what in whatever form that was and i had never thought of that before i'd never really ever thought of that and uh, but the more i put my mind to it more and more people were saying to me have you thought about ministering it you know and i was like me no i've only been here five minutes you know i can't do it you've got to be in my church 20 30 years <laughs> you know and and i thought no, i can't do that and uh but then ALM came along and we were both on ALM together, Adrian. We? Oh, yeah. That was quite strange. <laughs> yeah, we did, actually. Yeah, because we did the same. Uh, we actually did the uh, core module together, didn't we, at St. John's Endleton? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what? yeah, there you go. I totally forgot that we did <laughs> the first part. That, I'm not memorable, aren't I? That's what it is. <laughs> I've, I've met. No, it's nice to your friends are, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, I've just met so many different fantastic people for different reasons on different courses and it's just they start to merge into one yeah. because to be honest i i can go to the cathedral to an event and i recognize about 10 people and i'm like um i can't remember their name <laughs> and then it's how do i know you <laughs> You know, and, it, well, and you feel like a bit of a fool, but it's like, I'm looking at them and, and they must think, who's this freak staring at me? Because I'm like, it's proper staring. And it's like, I know them. I know them. Where do I know them from? Just think about my job then. Nick, are you aware of what I do for a living? I'm not, Dave. <laughs> um, I, work, I work for an undertaker's. Oh, right. Um, so I go to services quite regularly. And I was at Duckingfield Creme. This is a while ago. And you know, I'm not going to say who it was I saw there, but you'll know who it was because he was wearing his sandals. And I saw this gentleman with his beard and his sandals. And I'm thinking, I know who you, I know you, where do I know you from? So I said to the boss, I went, do we know who this? He said, oh, it's just this gentleman's name. And I went, oh, fair enough. And then it twigged who it was. And I thought, I can't say hello. And I really wanted to go up to him and say, hello, I actually do know you. But he wasn't in formal robes because yeah. it was a family member for him. 
and obviously I was working, so it would be very inappropriate. But it's just that bizarre thing, and you just spend the day going, I know you're from somewhere. But yeah. then when you're in the street and you've dealt with these people, it's, it's the same situation. You just think, I'd love to say hello, but you, you, just, you just can't. And it, then it's trying to remember if you do see them later on, say, oh, I was really sorry about that. And that I, I do meet a lot of the same people, and I'm, I'm actually making some quite good friends through it. And luckily, quite a few of them are getting involved in the podcast that we do as well. So it's, it's becoming full circle. No, it has. It's been, it's, it's been great. And I do, like I say, I do the same. I think the first time I seen you, Nick, after FFM, I, I think that's probably what's gone on here. I yeah. was thinking, who is he? I know him. I know his face. And the same with, <laughs> with we mentioned during the last podcast, good old Doris. You know, I was looking at her going, I know her. Where do I know her from? You know, it all makes sense now, Adrian, because I remember we were speaking to you and I could tell you didn't know who we were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's just me. So, so Nick, F- so we moved from FSM and then you went on to Reader Selection. So how was that during that time? Was it, uh, did that have an impact on your faith? Did it make you have any wobbles or, you know... Um, make you question where you was because I know I do quite a lot sometimes. For me, like I mean, reader ministry, having come from a tradition which didn't have reader ministry, lay ministry like that, just it was a it was a it was a it was a wonderful experience. The training itself was was brilliant. It was part of um, uh, it was a, a diploma from the University of Durham in theology, and um, it, and it via All Saints uh, teaching school. And uh, it was two years, it was at night in the evening and we'd go along once a week. We'd have weekends away as well. And we were able to develop, to dig deeper into theology more than I've ever done before in terms of reading and uh, meeting people and having to write assignments and things which you know, I hadn't done for quite a while, so it was it was interesting getting back into that. Yeah. From uh, when I did my last examinations, but it was um, met some amazing people, a lot of friendship, and uh, again, we were all on different. We all came from different traditions, but my particular cohort was a very strong one. I made some lifelong friends in on that cohort who still remain friends with me today. Um, two of them, however, have now. Uh, gone from being readers to being ordained ministers, yeah. which is something we might touch on in a little bit. But it's it, it's um, re- reader lay ministry is a vital part of of the church, uh, and it's increasingly going to be a more important part of the church as we go forward. And lay ministry can bring something to the table, which offers a bridge between the clergy and the congregation. Because the congregation remain and view the, the reader as, as one of them. And they provide that bridge to the clergy, which you often can't get if you were in the, uh, the dog collar. Because a dog collar can close doors and open doors. It yeah. can do both. Um, and reader ministry gives you the chance to explore the scripture, to teach, to lead. David was talking about uh, you know funerals. I've, I've had quite a lot of experience of doing funerals. I've got one tomorrow. 
for uh, a lady who is um, sadly died of COVID-19. Um, funerals are becoming, are such an important part of ministry because you're with people at their most vulnerable. David will understand this, but it yeah. gives you, as a minister, you're there when they need you. And you, you're given that opportunity to talk to them, to console them, and to give them hope. And that's what I love about Christian liturgy in terms of funerals, in that it gives people hope. It gives people hope of a better tomorrow and that this isn't the end. I find that reader ministry has been a gift. It has been a real gift to me. And it's enabled me to meet people and go places and do things that uh, I never would have thought possible. The first time I did a funeral, I was there in my robes outside the Prem at Blakely. And I couldn't believe that I was doing this. I yeah. thought, I cannot believe I'm stood here now. It's a hearse driving towards me. I've got these robes on. And I just didn't feel worthy of doing it at all. I just didn't feel good enough. And I was carried along in that experience by the Lord and the Holy Spirit, who enabled me to do what I did that day. And everything I've achieved or everything that I've tried to do has been through the love and support of the Lord. It's not been through my own skill or my own ability. It's been through him. And that is what I want to share with people, that the Lord can change your life, can transform your life, and can give you the wind beneath your wings that you never thought you would ever have. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. There's, there is... Um... <clears throat> A reoccurring theme from from the last episode there um you know that guy we spoke to max um was very much of that opinion as well and and i think actually that that's the key message in, in i think in any faith you know whether it's god that you believe in or someone else or it's that trust in him or her i don't want to be saying you know, let, let's not go down that road, you know. God, yeah, stop God's digging. Man. Just stop yeah. digging. Yeah. Um, but no, whoever it is, I think we've got to accept he's alongside us for good, the bad, the ugly, and, and he knows what's in our hearts and he will help us break through to where he wants us to be. And, and I'm glad you said that because I think that's what, everyone just needs to take you know is that little nudge that's there to support us and help us grow and at the heart of my ministry has always been a desire to help those who are dispossessed those disenfranchised those people who are on the margins on the sidelines people who've told they're not good enough people who are told they they have no value and uh we imitate christ in that isn't it? when we help people you know we uh we become like Christ. I think Mother Teresa, when she was asked, "What you know, what is one of your favorite? What is one of your favorite verses?" I think she said, "When Jesus said, i 'I'm thirsty,' you know, when he was on the cross." <clears throat> and when anyone ever says to us, "I'm thirsty" or "I'm hungry," that is Christ. That is that is God saying that to us, and we need to listen. And that's why my ministry, in terms of open table, which we talked about last time, and inclusive yeah. church, became more and more important to me because I wanted people to know that yeah you might have been told that you're not valuable you might have been told that you're worthless and there isn't a place for you in the church because you don't measure up to these particular standards of what that we have there is a place for you there is a place at the table and I wanted 
my ministry to reflect that. So I always want to be able to say to people, particularly in minority groups and the LGBT community, that despite what you've heard, God does love you. Yeah. And there is a place for you uh, at, at his at, in his home. And I, that is what I want, I want to do as well. I will always worship, I will always minister to the marginalised because I think those are the people that need to hear that message, that they are loved. But didn't Jesus do that anyway? So you are imitating at that level, and that's not, I'm, that's not meant as an insult. Please don't take it that way. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus ministered to the disenfranchised. He, dis, he ministered to the marginalised, because if he, you know, I heard, I will quote um, Red Dwarf, and it was Rimmer that said, um, how could Jesus be so good and not go into show business? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. because that wasn't who he was, he didn't want the power. He didn't want the glory. He wanted to help. And as, as any, I'm not going to say Christian, actually, any good, strong religious faith preaches that as its core message. Somebody said to me today, um i do a bit of a there's a as well as doing this I, i've been doing some live webcasts uh, to people and doing a bit of singing to them and try and cheer them up they ask they give me a song i'll sing it to them and, and they enjoy it um and somebody said to me today she said you're a totally different person in real life to what you are on there i said that's because when i'm talking to you i'm me when i'm talking to them i'm who they need to be to make them feel good and to feel loved yeah, because, and again, go back to Jesus for a moment. He must have been lonely. For all the love of his father, he was a tortured person in every sense of the way. But when he went out onto the street, when he saw his people, he gave them everything. And it must have been so draining for him. I think, I think you're right, David, that, you know, Jesus was that example of, of grace and kindness to people in need but do you know what historically we've not been too good as a church at, at remembering that have we no we've, we've, I'm, we've, I'm taking the fifth on that one i'm afraid <laughs> you know well, in the past hundred years you know i think we tend to have forgotten i'm so happy now that the, t the things are changing and people within the church are now beginning to see the value of inclusivity and diversity. Yeah. And well, you, I don't, I, I don't care if you're black, white, gay, straight. I don't care. I may not like you because you're you, but it has nothing to do with any of the other targets. So why do you <laughs> like me then? <laughs> I'm working on that one. I'm working on that one, Adrian. But, but Nick, just going back to what you were saying, and, and and I can honestly say, you know, you've been there for me personally when I've been in some of my darkest. You know what I mean? You, you've you've been at the end of the phone. You've met me and had coffee. We've put the world to rights at the famous coffee shop that shall still not be mentioned yet. No, we're going to speak to them. <laughs> to get free coffee. Um, but you know, you've been there, so I know that that's where you are, and 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 that's that that is your ministry. And and you know, we've had many conversations regarding that, and 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 I can see. That, that that your ministry fits you because it gives you that flexibility to be you 
without the institution. Uh, yes, you're bounded by some institutional stuff, but you're not as bounded as maybe, you know, a member of the clergy, you know, they're bound a bit more. So you have that bit more freedom to be real honest. And, and, and I appreciate that from you. That's um, why we bring them on here so we can set them free. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's me struck. <laughs> that, that, that's black mark number three against my name. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> but no, and, and and as you say, I think the church is changing and it's changing for the better. Um, and I think we're only going to get better. Um, I think it's, it's going to be slow and it's going to be hard. But the institution is changing. And, and I think that's what some of the problems are in it. It's not necessarily the vicars, the bishops, the archdeacons, or even some of the people in the pews. It's the institutional teaching that we've had for, we've been institutionalized to lots of, to be told what to believe. And I think it, it's only now that people are starting to go with the likes of FFM and ALM. It, it's okay not to believe, not to all believe that, you know, we're not being told that black is the only colour. You know, we're actually being given an opinion, an opinion where we can forge it ourselves and go, well, no, this is this and this is... Shades of grey, basically. Yes. And, and we're allowed to say what we think um, without being victimised by people. And, and that's one of the things that I've grown substantially with is you know, everyone's theology is different because we all look at the theology in a different way. So, Nick, so so we're now three years this this year as a reader. Um, so what else is in the pipeline? Is there anything in the pipeline? Is there any new ventures on the cards? Well, I mean, as, as you and I have discussed, Adrian, privately, obviously, away from the, from the journal, <laughs> I am, I am actually exploring our day ministry at the moment. I'm going through the process with the diocese. So I've, I've seen two vocational advisors and I have a, 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 an ADDO, a diocesan um, vocations advisor, an officer. And I'm looking at potentially, it's in God's hands, it's in the church's hands and it's in God's hands. If it's his will, it'll happen. Uh, I'm sort of halfway through the process at the moment. Um, if I were to be successful and the church and the, the bishop's advisory panel were to recommend that I, uh, I go forward for training, that would be September 21. Yeah. So that's that's in the Lord's hand. So I'll keep you posted and I'd love to come back and tell you how I go on. Yeah, that'd be interesting because <laughs> that's a conversation we could both have because, as you know, I've been going through this process for a long, long time. Um, and, and there is little hiccups and these things that have happened that slow things down. It's in the Lord's hands and sometimes, you know, I've been asked to do something and I've gone away and looked at it and the doors open straight away and there's been times where the doors only budged an inch and I can see through it, but I can't actually push myself through for various reasons. So, so what you've started something recently um on facebook as well aren't you um you do like a, a daily prayer thing which i've found quite it helps you refocus your day a little bit because 
as we're still separated from church at the moment and we can all do church at home but i think some of us need people to lead us um, and make us think of things i know me sometimes i need someone to go this is what we're going to look at today and, and i found the videos that you've been doing helpful in that and actually made me question some things myself and think actually i've been doing that or I've not done that as well as I should be doing. So how did that all come about? Well, it all started, I think, like a lot of people, you know, after lockdown. Um, I just thought, well, I'm not in the church at the minute. I can't physically be in the church. We can worship together online, etc. But I felt as though I could do more in terms of my ministry. And uh, I wanted to be able to engage with people on a wider platform. And social media is so wonderful for that, like, just like this is. So what I thought I'd do is I've got my little iPhone, I've got my little stand, and I thought, well, why not just do a little prayer every day? It's only two or three minutes. It's on a variety of topics and themes. And I thought, well, if I can do this every day, hopefully it might help a few people because it helps me. It helps keep me focused. And when I'm writing the prayers and reading the prayers, it, it, um, it, it brings me closer to God because it's almost like I'm, I'm worshipping as I create this, this worship space. So when I, when I publish them online each day, I've had some great feedback from people all over the world. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting some, some good views, which is great. That's not what it's about, but it's, it's nice to know that people are, are watching it. You know? yeah. And um, my mum shares it every day. <laughs> I'm proud of, so that's nice. So at least my mum's watching it, so that's good. Uh, I watch it not every oh, day but you, I do watch thank it you. Yeah. those are your two viewers you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, well that's just what I was just that's about my reach. that's my reach Adrian and my mum that's just what I was going to say about the podcast because all of our um, uh, 10 listeners um, you know hopefully they get something out of it I think they're just sadist really coming to listen to me talk Um but you know that that that's their choice, <laughs> and and if it helps, then that's great. But no, but don't don't you think things have changed though because of this break, this this lockdown? In that, I think we're going to have to continue to do this, aren't we? Virtually, you know. I think worship. Yeah, I think I've seen some things with various different people on all the different social media that I'm on. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on a few other ones. Everything. Yeah, pretty much. And people are saying, you know, they, they, they're worried. There is some people that are worried that once they say, right, you can go back to church, that the church is going to, and I don't necessarily mean that it's just going to drop them, but there is, that's what some people feel because I think the, the church with the online presence has actually drawn more people in that have probably been sat there in the background for a long time thinking, I'd love to go to church. But just as we've said, some of them boundaries that are put there by the the lovely people that are there and some of the not so lovely people that are there that don't always welcome people in. The can, can I be devil's advocate on this one, gentlemen? Just because <laughs> I like to be periodically, I will say. Um, I think one of the best... And I am, I class myself as a Christian, so I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not just touting for business at all, but sometimes when there is a major issue, when there is a problem, when people get scared, 
that's when they turn. Yeah. And I think because they can't go into church, they are looking for somewhere to pray, somewhere for guidance. So they're looking to the social medias because it's so easy, like you've just said. You know, and Nick's doing his daily prayer. And, you, you know, it only takes the one time to view it and you think, he's actually saying that to me. Yeah. And, and then, so I think what will happen is, I think when the churches do fully reopen, I think they will start to go back to church, but they need to keep the online presence going because the online presence is, we're not Anglican, we're not UK, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses, we're not Mormons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are believers in God. And we are one massive family. No, definitely. Yeah, agree. Definitely agree with that. And I think that's why I say we need to keep a presence online, don't we? Yeah, because definitely. I get more viewers for my prayer than we get in the pews. So you, that tells you, me you, you would more than fill a church, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think all of them have. Um, I know that one of the first services happened with the bishop um, yeah. I, was I was talking to him after it and he went I wouldn't even get that many people in the cathedral you know and th this is the bishop you know yeah. and he said straight away that that service online on that Sunday morning at the normal time of a normal service had more people watched than he would have had if you'd have just done that it, service. It, it, yeah, because you're getting your name out there. You, you know of a certain video that I'm going to talk about just for a second, Adrian, that there is a video online that I published, and it's nothing to do with religion at all, but that's been viewed 154,000 times. That's wow. ridiculous. Power, that's that is, that, reach, isn't it? That's real reach. That, yeah, and, and it wasn't put up there for any other reason than... I needed to get that out of me. I needed, I needed that there, but you just, and I've spoken to a vicar um, who said he does similar things to you, but he does a, a little service. And I think he said he had 70, 80, 90,000 people have viewed it. Now, whether they watched it all, whether they saw it, et cetera, et cetera, he went, how, how is that even possible? Because once you're on, once, once you are there, you're there. And the thing and you is, you just have that sort of hit. You only need to get that one person at that one moment in their life. Yes. It, it's yes. just like um, I did some training a very long time ago, and we were talking about suicide. Um, and, and I have touched on it in the past. I've been there and I've tried it. And sometimes just walking down the street and smiling at someone can be the difference between them potentially jumping over that bridge yeah. and them actually going, oh, I am worth something. And yes, just definitely. something as simple as that smile at someone's face. So again, that just that, even if they only hear a split second of what you've got to say, and that says to them, I have got a right to be here. Oh, he's talking to me. It, and that's what I, I hope that the podcast grows into as well as not necessarily a, you're wrong, we're right, da, da, da. but actually, it's okay to not feel great. It's okay not to be 
the best Christian in the world. It doesn't mean that you failed as a Christian. It just means you're growing on your journey. And I'm saying, come and join me on this journey. Come and join David. Come and join Nick. Because we're all on it together. Whatever faith we come from, whatever background we come from, we are all journeying on a road. And actually, sometimes it's nice to be on your own, but sometimes the load's lifted if you travel that road with other people. Hopefully that made sense. And um, You are quite eloquent that time. <laughs> I was quite impressed, mate. It was getting a bit touchy. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like the end to me, that. That's all right. yeah, I was just I, about to say, actually, I, think, I think he wrapped up really nicely, yeah. <laughs> so, Nick, thank you again. And I'm, and I'm sure we've not covered all your journey, but I'm sure... Um, you'll be back in the future to have another chat with us because I think that's what we need is a lot of similar people coming back and also sharing where they are because then that encourages other people to carry on that journey. If we see where people are journeying to and where they're ending up, that's going to help us definitely journey together. So I'd like to say thank you again and we will be seeing you in... I think it's about a month's time. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's about a month. Yeah, it is. It's about a month's time. So thank you very much. Thank Uh, you, Adrian. Thank you, Dave. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Journeys of Faith. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. And we hope you're enjoying your time with us. Um, if you have any feedback, comments, or would like to join us on an episode to share your story, you can email us at jofpodcast2020 at gmail.com. That's jofpodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can find us on the internet at www.jofpodcast.wordpress.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at JOF Podcast. And if you have anything that you do want to share with us, whether that's a comment on how we can make the podcast better or how you're actually enjoying the podcast, please do contact us as we want to make this podcast work for the people who are listening and also make it better so we need your help to do that so from myself and david thank you very much for joining us on this journey so till next time safe journey